What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to Off the Chain, simply the best podcast in crypto. Let's kick this thing off. Anthony Scaramucci, who's lovingly known as The Mooch, is the founder of Skybridge, a global alternative investment firm, and also the founder of Salt Conference. He previously served as the White House Director of Communications for 11 days under President Trump. In this conversation, we discuss the macro economy, the history of money, the current structural issues in America, what Anthony took away from his time in the White House, and why he thinks Bitcoin could be interesting. This is one of the more entertaining interviews I've done, and it is always great to talk to another Italian in finance. I enjoyed it, and I hope you do as well. Before we kick off this podcast, first a word from our sponsor, BlockFi. As many of you know, crypto investors store their digital assets on exchanges or in cold storage for long-term safekeeping. However, this strategy doesn't help them grow their investment holdings or build overall wealth. With the new BlockFi interest account, users can now securely store their Bitcoin or Ether at BlockFi and receive 6% annual interest paid monthly in cryptocurrency. 6% is an absurdly high rate. It's the best rate in the industry. I highly suggest you go check out BlockFi.com POMP. Again, that's BlockFi.com POMP to sign up and start earning crypto today. Skirt, skirt. Ever wanted to get into mining and didn't know how? Don't worry, your boy Pomp's got you. Everybody got some electricity and Wi-Fi. All you got to do is go to CoinMine.com. You buy a CoinMine. It's like an Xbox or a PlayStation that helps you turn your electricity into Bitcoin. That's right. You purchase it. It shows up at your doorstep. You pull it out of the box. You plug it in. Connect to your Wi-Fi. Five minutes or less, you're mining Bitcoin. All you have to do is control it from the mobile app they provide, and then you receive over-the-air updates that add new coins and new features on a consistent basis. Kind of like how Tesla does over-the-air updates and updates the car software. Just you're updating your coin mine. Consumer mining made easy. That's right. Go to coinmine.com, tell them Pomp set you, and thank me later. Anthony Pompliano is a partner at Morgan Creek Digital. All opinions expressed by Pomp or his guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Morgan Creek Digital or Morgan Creek Capital Management. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, guys, I'm sitting here with uh, Anthony Scaramucci in his office in uh, Midtown Manhattan. Uh, I really appreciate you taking time to do this. Uh, Pomp, it's great to be here. I got a few questions for you, though, too. Is that okay? (laughs) You can ask whatever you want. All right, so how did you get so hooked into digital currencies? Like, what was the apple that hit you in the side of the head and said that this is your eureka moment for your life? Yeah, um, there's a couple of things. So uh, I've always looked at innovative technology and kind of thought how, when you apply this to certain places, where's the most disruption or the most uh, kind of value capture? Um, And it was very obvious to me quickly that the idea, humans are trusting algorithms more than they are other humans. So if you look at, you know, Google Maps, you trust more than asking somebody for street directions or Spotify for music recommendations rather than your friend. Um, The idea that we were going to stop trusting institutions and and, uh, human-led organizations, but would rather trust cryptographically secure Secure um, technology or, or algorithms uh, and software seemed to uh, to be a trend that was worth betting on. So, um, and so the old fogies. Uh, I mean, I'm an old fogey. A lot of the old fogies don't you look like, like you're 22. Well, that's Botox and hair dye, man. I'm going to teach you how to do that. Okay. Okay. You're too young for that shit right now. <laughs> yeah. But when you get a little older, we'll, we'll dust you up a little bit. Okay. So, but uh, 
the old fogies don't like it. Right. They, they, I think that they don't understand it, right? And so mm-hmm. anytime that you have a technology that you don't understand, um, there's a little bit of fear. There's a little bit of, you know, why do we need something new? Um, what we have already works. Um, but as, as we know, you know, that's what where the opportunity for disruption is. Well, I mean, but the, but the government's hated because the government's like manipulating the currency. You know, the governments have figured out that um, – uh, there's a there's been a 100 year scheme mm-hmm. where what they do is they overpromise people things like entitlements and social social welfare payments and things like that and then obviously they can't afford the stuff that they're promising so you're 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 undertaxing overpromising on services and you're creating these very large deficits and so what the governments want to do is they want to continue to monetize those debts for sure so so why would a government allow a digital currency to come into place that is uh, something that unassailable to them. Here's the kind of crazy part of this. I mean, there's is, no army behind uh, Bitcoin as an example. Well, I'll get to that in a second. But for example, when it comes to uh, the, the governments, right, the U.S. likes the idea that we can manipulate the U.S. dollars, the global reserve currency, et cetera. But there's a lot of countries around the world that don't like that we can do that. If you look at Russia, China, you know, other countries, they, they actually want to get off of the U.S. dollars, the reserve currency. And so if you think about bilateral trade between two countries that neither have the reserve currency, I have to trust that you're not manipulating your currency to my harm. You've got to trust that I'm doing that. In game theory, why don't we just trust this thing that we both know can't be manipulated, right? So it's kind of opt out into a non-manipulated currency. Okay, so but but that could cause, again, in a modern society, I'm going to take you back mm-hmm. to the 1929-1933 crisis and yep. recommend to your listeners that they read Lords of Finance, the title of the book, Lords of Finance by Liaquat Ahmed. And basically what happened is everyone was stuck on the gold standard. Mm-hmm. Uh, these digital currencies, uh, because of their scarcity, mm-hmm. have an absolute standard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so- Sound ha- money, yep. Sound money. And yep. so, so, but sometimes sound money in a uh, deflationary environment or in a tight environment, mm-hmm. uh, governments have figured out that they could use levels of laxity Mm-hmm. Okay, in their currency mm-hmm. to create slack and, you know, feelings of buoyancy in the economy mm-hmm. and things like that. But how do you do that in a digital currency world? So I, I think that you nailed exactly what the governments are doing. And I think that there's a large number of people who believe, you know, the fiat experiment, if you will, of having it not be sound money. It has propped up the economy. And every time we get towards these recessive periods, which would be natural market corrections, we just print more, we cut interest rates, right? We just continue to manipulate. Um, and I think that a growing number of people feel like that is one, unsustainable, or two, you know, actually net negative over a really long period of time. Well, no, it's very net negative for middle class and lower middle class mm-hmm. people. It's very net positive for elites because. Yep. Uh, when you're devaluing money and you're elites that hold capital inflation hedged assets, you could care less. Uh, mm-hmm. So if I have a building right here that's worth a million dollars in 1901 uh, and I own it and they deflate or I'm sorry, they inflate the money and now it's it's uh, today and it's worth $30 million, yep. it's still represented a value to me in terms of that transfer. But a person has wages. Uh, their wages have actually declined steadily. So middle class wages are down about 25% mm-hmm. as of 
as a direct result of this uh, monetization yep. uh, that the Fed and people like that are doing. If you go back, there's a white paper that the IMF wrote about uh, inflation being one of the largest drivers of wealth inequality. Mm-hmm. And they basically cite two reasons why that is. One is if you're paid in uh, an hourly wage that has mm-hmm. no inflation adjustment on an annual basis, obviously your purchasing power is decreasing every year, but you think you're getting paid the but same. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lot older than you. I'm, I don't want to express cynicism on your podcast, I, but I want to express I want you realism. to express the truth. These politicians suck. Okay, I mean, <laughs> let me tell you something. I have an 11-day PhD now in Washington scumbaggery. Okay, I know what these people are really like. They could care less about these people. Of they, course. They just want to stay ruling. They don't want to serve the people. It's about how do I perpetuate the ruling class that I'm in and how do I hang out with other clever people and virtue signal to them. And so make let's sure say that that's my, true. Like, make sure that my family is, is, is okay. I could care less about somebody in the middle of the country or yep. some middle class or lower middle class family that's struggling. Me personally, I care because I, I came from that. And so, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to go into the government is I thought, you know, we got to change these policies and make things better. So, so okay, so, so the millennials, you're mm-hmm. a millennial. Mm-hmm. You guys are going to change everything then, right? You're going to bring in a stable currency. And then you guys are going to accept the roughness that that stability may present well, in terms of the potential recessionary cycles, which are normal for industrial economies. You're, you're ready for that. So I think that you're willing to handle what, that. what you said in terms of the politicians wanting to continue to perpetuate basically their benefit and they don't care about everyone else. Um, in a normal world, what they would be able to do is, hey, there's a threat. Right, and that threat is is coming, and, and it's a technology, it's a company, it's a person, etc. They would regulate it, they would jail them, they would do something to stop that threat, right, from from changing that life um, that they're living in, and kind of the the model that they have. The difference is this is a decentralized network that cannot be shut down, right, and so where it becomes is you actually get a clash of the elitism and kind of the current system is going to clash with and try to put all of the normal um, constraints and regulation um, and sanctions, et cetera, onto something that can't be regulated away. And you're seeing this in Congress today where congressmen are coming out saying, listen, we can try to go do that. It will not be successful. We need to figure out something else in order to address this because trying to- Well, the IRS is talking about taxing people that are trading in uh, digital currencies. Like, how are they going to do that? Well, well. That's actually what they should do, right? You know, I'm on record as saying the first country to embrace this and say, look, we want the entrepreneurs here. We want the innovation here. We're actually going to work with them because it's going to lead to tax revenue. We're going to figure out how to incorporate this into our financial markets. I think they're going to have a very, very um, kind of uh, big head start versus countries that try to go and outlaw it, so clamp my, on it, my, One of my closest friends, Noriel Ravini, calls it shit coin, and they're all shit coins. And, all, and, and what do you say to him? So I actually think that he's doing a lot of entertainment, right? But I do believe that he thinks uh, it doesn't have as much value as everybody else thinks, right? So I think he understands why people are interested in it, et cetera. Um, You have to separate out blockchain technology, Bitcoin, and then all of the uh, other crypto assets, right? All the utility tokens, et cetera. 99% of the utility tokens and what he's talking about, the shit coins, they're all worthless, right? So so he's actually directionally correct on that. Uh, When it comes to Bitcoin, again, we were talking before we started recording, uh, it's an asymmetric uh, investment, right? So it's non-correlated to traditional assets, which has some benefits to your portfolio. And then on the upside, right, it 10, 20, 50, 100x type upside, there's just not very many assets in the world that, that can do that. And so I tell people, don't buy into the qualitative, it's going to be the next global reserve currencies. Forget all of that. If you look at your portfolio and you put a non-correlated asymmetric asset in it, it can change the makeup of your portfolio in a positive way. 
All right. Well, all right, so let me give you my personal odyssey because I think right. it's, I think it'll be valuable to you because I'm an entrepreneur. I've started two businesses, uh, sold one business, ended up working for the company that I sold the business to. Uh, Newberger Berman bought my first company, Oscar Capital Management. Then it got sold to Lehman. I was at Lehman for a few years and then started Skybridge. And so, but for my 11-day odyssey in Washington, I've been at Skybridge the last 14 years. Uh, I built the company from scratch, uh, three people in a room. Uh, you're sitting in my office now, there's 80 people here and just under $10 billion of assets. We've got four offices around the world. I'm an adaptive guy, I'm willing to embrace change. You can see a lot of young people in this room. I feel you can learn. Um, you know, the young people make a mistake because they think that they're smarter than their parents and their grandparents. And the old people make a mistake because they think that they're smarter than the young people. Uh, but at the end of the day, you can learn from me, I can learn from you. We're separated by 25 years of life experience, uh, but you're learning things that I've not experienced yet. And so now I've returned to Skybridge. I was blown out of my seat like an Austin Powers villain because I said Steve Bannon was sucking his own dick. I mean, big deal. The guy probably couldn't do that because it's probably the size of an orange Tic Tac. So, I mean, it's like there's no way he could probably do that, but that's fine. Um, my mistake, I own it, fireball offense. I'm accountable for it. Move on. Yep. Uh, so I'm back Did you have here fun? in Washington. In Washington. Did I look like it, I was having fun? Did you see my press conference? The, I mean, look, you see the li, press conference? Li, listen, uh, yeah. as an I mean, Italian, I'm, yeah, I'm always I, having fun. When, man. when, I, you know, when I watched you up there, right, right. I said, that dude's having the time of his life. And then I read an uh, article where uh, I think the story is after the press conference, you basically walked in and it was Trump and somebody else. And uh, Trump turned to him and said, you know, tell me what you said. He goes, uh, you know, Mr. Scaramucci, that was one of the best press conferences I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, that was a na Naval Reserve kid. Yeah, yeah kid Alex. He, he was uh, serving the president's Diet Coke uh, in the study off the Oval. So I love the press. I just had I just had dinner with Don Jr. last night. I love the president. Um, I think he's an awesome guy. I think he's flawed. We're all flawed. You got to watch it with the uh, – and he's not a racist, but you can't say racist shit, okay, because what ends up happening is you're the leader of the free world. The mantle of leadership requires you to just get as far away from that stuff as possible. If we're having a debate over whether or not the president is racist, he's not racist, and I'll defend him till the cows come home on that. But he can't be saying racist-oriented shit, okay, mm -hmm. just stupid. But mm -hmm. let's move on from that. Um, and the stuff he's saying about digital currency right now uh, is, uh, to me, is a, I'm a contrarian. So the fact that he's railing on it and Steve Mnuchin's railing on it means, okay, it has arrived. Um, but I want to explain this odyssey to you because I think it's important. So I, I come back to my firm. The firm has been wounded by our uh, merger potentiality with uh, the Chinese, the H&A guys. We're great guys, by the way. Cifius says that we can't sell to them. We're a national security threat. Ha ha, no problem, the deal fades, I'm back at Skybridge working. Again, no whining, no complaining, life is what it is. But now I gotta look at the world and where the world is right now. Jamie Dimon says that he hates digital currencies and he hates Bitcoin and all this stuff. Okay, and then, and then, launch one. And then he's gotta walk it back because he's got five, 600 people working for him. <laughs> and so Jamie, and I have all the respect in the world for Jamie, he's probably seven or eight years older than me. He's one of the smartest people I know in financial services and then boom he's caught in a generational blind spot okay and by the way same generational blind spot that i would be caught in same generational blind spot that yusko mm -hmm. your partner would be caught in so now jamie's got to walk it back and so i turn to my staff here my young staff i said okay 
there's something here. I don't know enough about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have our SALT conference. We're going to bring a group of people from the crypto space, and we tried to get you guys there. Unfortunately, we couldn't connect, uh, to learn more about it. And, mm-hmm. and trust me, I'm 55. There's a lot of 55-year-olds in financial services that know nothing mm-hmm. about your space. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to tell you where I am personally now after evaluating it for a year. I'm still skeptical. I'm not going to say that I'm not. Yep. But I do think it will exist. I think there are there's value to the notion that I can exchange value with you confidentially, mm-hmm. and I can exchange it through a mechanism that looks very secure. Now, mm-hmm. that those mechanisms will get even more secure in the future than they are today. My issue is a political issue uh, because I understand how governments work, and I'm going to take your listeners through a quick history lesson on our money. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1929, 1933, we tightened at a time when we needed to loosen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't until Franklin Roosevelt got the reins in 1933 that he took us off the gold standard and created some slack, mm-hmm. uh, which created some relief for everybody. Now, that's always temporary relief. You know, when they're devaluing, it's always temporary relief. Uh, but relief was needed from political purposes. Mm -hmm. And so you have to be very, very careful with dogmatism and absolutism Mm -hmm. because what happens is uh, it's like Mike Tyson said, everybody's got a plan until they're punched in the face. You're the leader of the United States during a recession and you need to offer relief immediately so you don't have a revolution. Mm -hmm. You're going to take the country's currency off the gold standard. Mm -hmm. And so it makes me worry about Bitcoin because Bitcoin is a fixed standard. It's Mm -hmm. a fixed supply and it will trade relative to what's going on in the world, irrespective of the world, and irrespective of governmental manipulation. Can we both stipulate that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that makes me wary as a practical person, Mm -hmm. because I know what governments will do in times of expediency. Mm -hmm. Uh, George W. Bush said, I'm a conservative. I believe in free market principles. The world was coming to an end. He he veered to the left very hard, and he sent a trillion dollars to the banking system through TARP to save TARP. What do you think about TARP? Well, I think it worked, and I liked TARP, but it was uh, – if you know if they allowed free market principles, mm-hmm. they had allowed Bitcoin-ish or digital mm-hmm. currency-like absolutists, mm-hmm. every bank in the country would have failed. Mm-hmm. You would have gone to 25 30 percent unemployment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not smarter than our grandparents. Mm-hmm. 35 percent unemployment, you're going to have a revolution here, mm-hmm. just the way it works. So, mm-hmm. so, yeah, you had to send the money to TARP. It got paid back, mm-hmm. and it got paid back with a profit. A lot of people uh, you know, don't understand that. That was valuable uh, to the U.S. government. But the truth of the matter is that's what governments do in times of crisis. They veer very, very hard to the left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying that's what they so do. They do. Yep. Okay, so now, second problem that I have, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just quick history on our money. So the money's now devalued. We go to war. We have Bretton Woods. We just separate, celebrated the 75th anniversary mm-hmm. of Bretton Woods. They fixed the exchange rate mechanism among the Western capitalist powers. We have a Marshall Plan. We, we put a trade system together that's unfair to the United States to help the rest of the world grow. Uh, we have deficits. We want to fight communism everywhere. We run up a big deficit in the 60s to fight a proxy war against communism in Vietnam. We kill 60,000 Americans, roughly. Uh, we're running very large deficits. And so now the price of our currency, which was fixed at Bretton Woods, to be $35 an ounce of gold, uh, is released in August of 1971. Richard Nixon says, shit, we got to monetize our debt in order to pay it back. And so therefore, we're unclipping our dollar from gold. The dollar is 
gone from $35 an ounce, 1971, 2019, it's roughly 1350 an ounce. We crushed our currency. The currency's down 97 and a half percent. Okay, who did that? The Chinese then said, okay, great, we're gonna reform our economy. They linked their currency to our currency. Mm -hmm. Okay, we allowed that to happen because we were fighting the Russians. Nixon opened us to China. Mm -hmm. And then he said, okay, great, you can link your currency to our currency, even though you're creating industrial factories and a mercantilist economy, which should drive your currency upward. Mm -hmm. We're gonna allow you to link your currency to our currency, which will increase your ability to grow because you're going to be operating in the world stage with a devalued currency, yep. which is the United States currency. Yep. So this works for China. They're, they're clipping off 10, 12, 15% growth. They create an economic miracle. They go from an impoverished agrarian society 40 short years later to the second largest economy in the world. They got problems, China. I'm not saying they don't, but they've, they've, they've done that. And part of that was being able to hit, 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 you know, hitch themselves to our currency. Yep. It's like a rocket ship for them. Yep. Go to the other side of the world. Okay, what do you think that? What do you think the uh, the Germans did? Same the Germans, same thing. They said, "Hey, man, this is great. Let's link up with all these Southern European countries. They've got to devalue every five years. Mm -hmm. uh, they've, they're swimming naked in the Mediterranean, drinking ouzo, retiring at age fifty-five. Let's link up with them. And if you price the Deutsche Mark today versus where the euro's trading, it's at about a 22, 23% premium. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, the Germans, uh, they reform their labor market and they create this industrial mercantilist exporting powerhouse, mm -hmm. right? They have a very large economy, they have a budget surplus and they're at full employment. All done through currency manipulation, all done through rigging the system to benefit Germany. See, Trump understands that, that's why he's mad at them. So now here we are. Okay, the United States is sitting on $22 trillion of debt. We have the largest military. We still have the largest economy, and we're direct beneficiary of great resources here, and we're protected by two oceans. But political leaders are going to want to annihilate digital currencies because they will put to risk the manipulation that political leaders have been able to do over the last 100 or 150 years of our manufacturing society. So, so again, I'm not saying it's not gonna work, of course, but I'm just telling you the problem that you're gonna have of getting Bitcoin to be a major, so let me or not Bitcoin, digital yeah. currency in general, maybe it's Ethereum, the ones that you like, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, so, so let me, uh, everything you just said, completely agree with, right, from a, from a history lesson standpoint. Um, one thing I think a lot about is if you zoom even farther out, right, the fall of every great empire has been the debasement of their currency, right? If you go back to ancient Athens, Romans, etc., when the currency starts to be devalued away, right, eventually the currency goes and mm -hmm. becomes worthless. It does mm -hmm. not happen overnight. It takes decades, if not hundreds of years, right? What worries me is you think America's going to cheat that system, Paul? Cheat that system in what sense? Well, you have a, you have the rise of the American Empire. It starts in seventeen seventy six. It's two hundred and forty three years old. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the longest standing republic. I mean, the Roman Republic probably ended after two hundred and twenty five years. Mm -hmm. So, you think we're going to be able to cheat history? My, my, my thing is. Um, Every great empire falls. I don't think that anything um, horrific is going to happen in my lifetime. I hope it doesn't happen, right? I, I actually, you know, look, I was in the army, right, and, and um, tend to be uh, very uh, American-minded. But at the same time, I think that there's very real risks with um, the, the structural issues that we're facing. Um, and the part to me that— Well, our political leadership sucks, okay? They'll, they'll blow an unbelievable thing. I mean, they got handed a 
unbelievable country. Uh, some of it was luck, some of it was our geography and natural resources, and after the end of the Second World War, they got handed this unbelievable country. When the baby boomers, which I am one of, okay, so I feel grounded in being able to criticize baby boomers, when they got handed the baton from the greatest generation, the World War II generation, we blew it. Mm-hmm. We fucking suck because we killed a million people in the Middle East, as you know, because you were in the Army, 70,000 American servicemen and women killed. Uh, you got uh, seven, uh, I'm sorry, wounded, 7,000 dead. You, 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 you got 22 dying from PTSD every day. Uh, we blew out uh, a, a $22 trillion debt. We blew up our infrastructure. Our, our bridges, roads, tunnels, airports are crumbling, look like third world countries. Educational system sucks, the K through 12 educational system. Totally uneven, totally unfair. Common Core is a disaster. I don't know anybody that even likes it or thinks it makes any sense. You got to put your kids in private school if you're smart now to get them to avoid Common Core. And then you got an industrial policy that it's an absolute mess because there's no policy. So the political leadership in the country, which controls 25 or if you take state and local governments, 50% of the country's GDP, they suck. I mean, they absolutely unmitigatedly suck. They perpetuate these false arguments and they gerrymander themselves into permanency in their districts while your country, my country, the one that we love, is, is actually crumbling. So, what, what would you so do? I don't think we can cheat history unless we have a huge wake-up call. Okay, somebody like you, as an example, uh, it's got to be your generation that does it because my generation sucks and we won't be, able to, won't be able to do it. We don't have any political leaders in my generation that can do it, but it has to be somebody from your generation that says, okay, this completely sucks. You guys blew it, but we're going to take it over and we're going to not focus on left and right, but we're going to focus on right or wrong and we're going to pick policies that are going to work and we're going to tell the American people the truth. It's going to take 25 to 30 years to fix these problems. It's not going to happen overnight. There's no quick fix, no quick solution. What would you do to fix them? Like, what do you think the solutions are? Well, I mean, there's uh, hundreds of them, but I mean, you know, and, 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 and here's the thing, okay, Bitcoin, okay, could have a role, okay, it could be another currency, another commodity, it could be like gold is, or platinum, or palladium, it could be... Store value. Yep. It could be, yes, I'm not, I'm not disputing it, I'm not Noriel Rabini, where I think it's shit coins, I actually think... Your generation is embracing it and what you're saying about algorithms and artificial intelligence and the future of what's going to be trusted and what isn't, I believe in all that stuff. But if we can get your generation focused on this and put leadership together, it says, okay, here is the strategic plan for America. We want to cheat history. We want to return. We want to turn a republic that typically lasts two to 250 years into a 500-year republic Here's what we need to do. We have to invest in our infrastructure and we have to invest in our educational system and we have to right-size our deficit. Now, the good news is we can right-size our deficit. Bad news is, is that it's, uh, it's gotta be energy-related because you know we can take the energy out of the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just have to figure out a way to burn it cleanly. You know, mm-hmm. These climate accords and all this nonsense, not gonna help. We have to figure out, uh, it's a carbon-based world, at least for another, 50 to 100 years. Mm-hmm. We don't want to coke up the environment. We're having like a frat party with the environment right now. And then we want our kids to live in the frat house on Sunday morning with the beer and the bongs everywhere, the bong water spilled on the rug. Now we got to fix, we got to fix the environment, right? So you're not going to fix it by signing climate accords because no one's adhering to them. 
but you have to figure out if, if there's a way, the same way we desalinate water, is there a way that we can burn this energy more cleanly or is there a way we can filter the energy or is there a way to create photosynthesis through technology where you're literally taking the carbon in and doing exactly what a plant or a tree would do and convert it back into oxygen. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I don't know the answer to that because I'm not a scientist, but to me, your generation has got to figure that out. We have to figure out a way, yes, clean energy, uh, wind and, and uh, things like solar and stuff like that, but at the end of the day, you're gonna to have to figure out a way to burn carbon more cleanly. If you can do that, you can solve the deficit crisis because through fracking, you know, the United States owns, I don't know, 30% of the land. You can Google it, it's probably 28 or 30%. Underneath that land is an unbelievable amount of energy, mm -hmm. uh, trillions of dollars of energy that's owned by the United States effectively. So if you look at the US balance sheet, it's probably got $60 trillion on its balance sheet and $22 trillion of debt. Look mm -hmm. at it from that perspective. Mm -hmm. And so then you need a plan, 25-year plan, of how you're going to defease that deficit, mm -hmm. strengthen your dollar by doing that, and strengthen your economy. Secondary plan, you need an educational plan, K through 12. You need technical jobs training plan. Mm -hmm. uh, so people don't necessarily have to go to college, but they can make high income mm -hmm in a passion that they have that they can learn more about and get technically trained for. Uh, I, mean, it's, I mean, the infrastructure is a disaster. You got water pipes in the city. That it's are, crazy. They're 95 years old. What are these people doing? Okay, I mean, what are you doing? What are you doing with the money? Okay, How about you have the, a $92 uh, billion, dollar, yeah, you got a $92 billion, <laughs> $92 billion budget for New York City, $200 billion budget for the state. That's $300 billion. What are you guys doing? That's an eight. That's 8%, 7.75% of the federal government's budget to be spent in the city of New York and the state of New York. What, what are you guys doing? Where is the money? Where's the audit on the money? Okay, so you need an anti-corruption uh, plan. You need an infrastructure plan. You need an industrial policy plan. There's no living politician that wants any of that to happen because they are feathering their beds short term okay to benefit themselves short term and their families and they could care less about the rest of the united states so until you can break that fever mm -hmm. and get people in the game that are committed to public service is not going to happen but but you know your, your 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 podcast is about digital currency and so my conclusion after looking at this thing for a year plus is that i i think i think it's sustainable i think it's going to be here i think it's going to to be to be a, uh, uh, I think it's going to be a future where you know better than me. I don't know which currency is going to be there, and but the bot, the blockchain is going to get tighter and more reformed and and more secure. People are going to have more confidence in it, and uh, I don't think it can be stopped. Actually, I don't, I don't, I don't see, even though it's going to upset governments and it's going to upset that whole process that I just explained to you of devaluation and. Mm -hmm. You know, keeping people short-term happy, um, it's going to be present. The, I just don't know. I don't. I don't know how big of an impact it's going to have, yeah. because the players like the government. Again, the U.S. government, four trillion dollar budget. They're controlling twenty-two percent of the U.S. GDP. They don't want it. They don't like it, and they're yeah. going to do everything they can to disrupt and break it. The, the last thing I'll say is, you, you said something earlier that I think is the absolute key, which is. You, I, others probably even listening to this podcast understand how the game's played. And so we take wealth and we get it out of the currency into real assets. 
and that actually benefit from the inflation, right? What excites me, I think, about Bitcoin specifically is as a store of value, I think there's a lot of people who, they're not investors, they don't understand asset management or portfolio construction or real assets versus currencies, et cetera. But if there is a store of value currency that they are able to simply park their wealth in and over time, rather than being devalued away because it is that deflationary uh, model, they actually can preserve their wealth or even increase their wealth. I think that's a really powerful um, change. Totally. But but um, to your point, I think that there's a, a very, very bumpy road from here to that being the kind of you know default state. Um, and, and that's kind of what makes it, you know, one, exciting, but also two, the unknown. Yeah, well, I mean, what you just said is, uh, is 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 where I think the future is, and and so look, I mean, uh, the Bible says the poor will always be among us, pomp, okay, but the rich will always be among us, too. Uh, what has made the United States so successful is that very thoughtful policy leaders, even if they had racism in the country, and even if there were bad things in the country, and your Italian grandparents and my Italian grandparents were discriminated against. They created a free market meritocratic-based system where families could come here from wherever they were coming from and do really, really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to figure out a way to maintain that system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if we can do that, um, the future is very, very bright. Now, the great news about us is that uh, human, you know, human beings is that we are constantly innovating. Digital currency is a representation of that. And so... If we just stay out of wars, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, there'll be vertical farming, there'll be artificial intelligence, there'll be increased automation and manufacturing that will probably reduce prices further. Uh, There's a lot of great things happening. Mm -hmm. And so I do think digital currencies will be a big part of that future. For sure. Um, The question everyone wants to know is, do you own any Bitcoin? I don't own any Bitcoin right now, no. But that's uh, not to say that I won't. And it's not to say that I'm not open to potentially creating... You know, we're a fund of funds. So if you said to me, could I have a fund of digital currencies, a fund of funds of different uh, funds mm-hmm. uh, that trade in currencies? Yes. I don't own any Bitcoin right now. Uh, but uh, if you come and see me, if you invite me back on your podcast in a year, I bet I'll have a different answer. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I know okay, you're super pump. busy. Hey, so God bless. So good luck. Keep up the good work, okay? Make sure you get your name out there, okay? Right now, I don't think you're that well-known yet, Pomp. Okay, get your name out there a little. Be more, more aggressive with that, okay? Hey, hey, Anthony is going to give me all the uh, the secrets to... Uh, the only thing is, I don't think I could have... Uh, don't go into the government, been, though. Been on the national stage. Although, although, although if you end up in the government, man, I got to tell you, it, 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 try to maximize it. If you, if you can only spend one mooch, which is 11 days, try to maximize it like I did. You, you're a legend for hitting the uh, <laughs> national press with the finger guns. <laughs> All right, thanks. All right. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening to that podcast. Before I let you go, one more word from our sponsor, BlockFi. Their new interest account allows you to securely deposit your Bitcoin or Ether at BlockFi and receive 6% annual interest paid monthly in cryptocurrency. This rate actually compounds, so you receive a 6.2% APY, which is very attractive given the alternatives. So you can actually take your Bitcoin, you can deposit it with BlockFi, and get paid an interest rate of 6% in return. Go check out BlockFi.com POMP. Again, BlockFi.com POMP to sign up and start earning interest on your crypto today. Ever wanted to get into mining and didn't know how? Don't worry, your boy POMP's got you. Everybody got some electricity and Wi-Fi. All you got to do is go to coinmine.com. You buy a coin mine. It's like an Xbox or a PlayStation that helps you turn your electricity into Bitcoin. That's right. 
You purchase it, it shows up at your doorstep, you pull it out of the box, you plug it in, connect to your Wi-Fi, five minutes or less, you're mining Bitcoin. All you have to do is control it from the mobile app they provide, and then you receive over-the-air updates that add new coins and new features on a consistent basis. Kind of like how Tesla does over-the-air updates and updates the car software. Just you're updating your coin mine. Consumer mining made easy. That's right. Go to coinmine.com, tell them Pomp sent you, and thank me later. Hey, everyone. Pomp here. If you like this episode of Off The Chain and want to help us take crypto to the top of the Apple, Spotify, and other podcast charts, please do us a favor and rate, review, and subscribe. To review, simply go to the Off The Chain homepage, scroll down until you see the five blank stars. Taking 15 seconds to fill those stars in and leave a quick review goes a long way in helping us take the entire crypto ecosystem to the top of the charts. I appreciate you listening and see you next time on Off The Chain.